Welcome to the Men of Adler program. This has uh, been a very trying uh, time uh, for all of us at Faithful and True. As many of you know, uh, we lost our, our friend, our leader, our mentor, Dr. Mark Laser, on September 27th as his battle with multiple myeloma came to an end. And yet we rejoice because we know that the gates of heaven swung, swung open wide. So um, we have decided that we're going to uh, honor what Mark would want. And what Mark would want would be for us to keep uh, the Men of Valor program going strong. And we know that we've got many, many listeners out there for which we are very, very appreciative. We also want to thank you for the cards and letters and calls and emails uh, that we received from so many of you uh, after Mark's passing. Uh, with all of that said, we have a very special podcast to relaunch the Men of Valor program. Uh, we're blessed to have Dr. Greg Miller, who uh, Greg is our director of workshops here at Faithful and True. Many of you know him from previous podcasts uh, where he has been our guest, and uh, Greg has graciously uh, offered the opportunity for him to step into Mark's role here on the podcast, and we couldn't be more excited about that. So good morning, Greg. Good morning. Thank you. So glad to have you here. We have a special show planned today because we thought that uh, a great way to proceed would be to introduce you to some of the men who are true blessings uh, to us here at Faithful and True. They are men who are not only counselors for us here at our center, but they are the small group leaders that are so uh, important to our Men of Valor uh, workshops that we do here every month. Uh, we want you to meet them. We want you to get to know them because they are a driving force but uh, behind the success that we have experienced with our workshops. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm going to turn the mic over to Greg. And uh, Greg, I'll let you get the program really started. Okay, thank you. Um, I think the first thing that I want to acknowledge is just the complexity of being in this space this morning. And and one of the principles that we teach at Faithful and True is kind of the endness of life and the endness of who we are. And so we're here today in grief and gratitude. Um, and we want to just to acknowledge that, that um, through this fall, we have moved through this season just with tremendous grief at the loss of Mark and just the role that he's played in each of our lives. And we are also so grateful for the role that he's played in building into us and challenging us and inviting us to be a part of his own team. And so this morning, um, we do have the members of the uh, Men of Valor workshop team here with us, and we, we just want to take some time remembering and also casting the vision. Um, we have talked so much over the last several months of how one of the best ways that we can honor Mark's life is just to continue his legacy with the things that he's taught us and how he's built into us. And um, one of the things that we've mentioned so many times is that as we teach, as we lead, as we have our sessions, uh, Mark's voice and spirit is with us as we engage the, the people who come here to Faithful and True. And so we're very thankful for that. And so with us is um, our team. It's Chris and Josh and Jim. And um, as we've said, they are a part of the workshop team. So to begin with this morning, we're just going to be talking about how we found Faithful and True and in that experience, what brought us here and how we met uh, Mark. So whoever would like to start. Sure. This is Chris, and I can start with that. And so the way I kind of met Mark in Faithful and True was really by way of my wife, Elizabeth, um, who also is a counselor here as well. 
Um, but I was, uh, admittedly, I was sort of uh, kind of coaxed into the door uh, to work out the terms of our separation. And that's how I first came in. And in that meeting, I was introduced to uh, Mark's seminal book, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Addiction. And it was that night I couldn't really put the book down. So for the first time, I was reading material. I was being immersed in material that, uh, that made sense out of the, the issue I was dealing with and provided um, some hope as well. And I think it was that hope that, that really kind of launched me. It, it was the catalyst. Uh, the hope that Mark provided in the book was the catalyst that kind of moved me into recovery or moved me into the, into the kind of buying into the faithful and true process and sort of convinced me to then to take the next step to do the Men of Valor workshop. And that's where I first met Mark at the Men of Valor workshop. Um, so that was my introduction okay. to Mark. Great, thanks. Yeah, I'm Jim. I kind of came to meet Mark a little bit differently than a lot of guys here. I came to meet him professionally. Um, at the time, I was practicing and treating guys struggling with sexual addiction. I, I practiced from the Satir model, which is, if people are familiar with the center here, um, Virginia Satir's teachings have a lot to do with and influence our teachings here. And so I obviously just you know, was doing some Google research and found that Mark, you know, he, he teaches with the Satira model. And um, around the same time, I actually received a letter from Faithful and True and Mark that said, hey, we're, you know, putting on this workshop for pastors and clinicians. And so it was all about that same time. And so I came uh, here, met Mark at the workshop. And then from that point on, I would meet up, you know, I'd call Mark from time to time, but then meet him at workshops or different conferences. And um, probably, I don't remember if it was somewhere between 2010, 2012, I decided, well, I want to actually get some really advanced training in this. So I call Mark up and say, you know, what do you, what do you think of CSAT? And he goes, well, why would you do that? You know, <laughs> what, just get trained by me. <laughs> and, and so I went through about a year and a half of training and supervision with Mark. And it was fascinating. You know, it, it started off as a professional training but it very quickly turned into more about me and my own personal growth. And Mark would challenge me, you know, not only as a therapist, but just personally, like, you know, how, you know, what, what's, you know, what's this about? You know, what do you, when are you going to, you know, you know, be more assertive? When are you going to start to, you know, and it was, it was more about things, you know, that he saw in me that needed to grow in order to become, you know, not only a better therapist, but just a, 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 a stronger person, a, a person, uh, a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things I experienced was Mark was really good at inviting you to become the better person you could be and constantly seeing that, that next step, that opportunity to strengthen yourself so that you could fully become the man that God created you to be or the clinician that God created you to be. That's right. It was, it was, yeah, he was always looking for that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was very fortunate for that, you know. Okay, good. How about you, Josh? So I'm Josh. I met Mark. Well, to start the story, I was sitting outside my house. Uh, my wife and I, our lives had completely fallen apart. And I was sitting outside on a little glider chair, rocking back and forth because that was literally all that I could do for about a week. People would come and visit and talk to me, and I would just sit there and glazed eyes and just rock back and forth. And I couldn't get up. I couldn't eat. I lost about 40 pounds. This is 
the time my wife and I affectionately call it our crash and burn that we have more colorful language for it as well and it was around sexual acting out misdoings on my part and I had no idea how I had gotten there or what hope there was left for me and suddenly out of nowhere I'm not sure where it came from the name Mark Laser popped into my head because I had had a conversation probably seven eight more years before with somebody uh, the wife of a cousin who said she wanted to go into counseling and mentioned this guy named Mark Laser who worked around the field of sexuality. That's all that I knew. And somehow in that moment, that name came to my head. I didn't know how to spell it. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know he wrote books. Didn't know where he lived. I just went and got out of my chair. And the first thing I did was able to do was go to sit at the computer. And I found him and he was right here in Eden Prairie, <laughs> 10 minutes away. And I called and made an appointment and sat there and wept in his office uh, through so much of my story that I was just beginning to learn. And he sat there very calm and collected like he'd heard it 10,000 times because mm -hmm. he had. And he said, Josh, there's hope here. We'll walk you through this. And I walked out of that office knowing <laughs> uh, that I could be safe. Mm -hmm. For Beth and I, we really began um, our journey here through her. And um, at the time, our life had exploded. It was 14 years ago. And um, she was working with a therapist. And the therapist had mentioned to her that um, she really wasn't an expert in sex addiction and that um, we needed to find or they needed to find kind of the Mayo Clinic of a sex addiction, that if I'd had cancer, they would send me to the Mayo Clinic, but if you have sex addiction, where do you go? And so Beth um, began having conversations with people, and through that, someone recommended um, Faithful and True and Mark and Debbie Laser. And so um, Beth decided to come, and she called Mark and had a conversation, and basically what she told Mark was that um, she wasn't interested in coming here with me. At this point, we were significantly separated, but Mark encouraged her in a gentle way to consider the possibility of inviting me to come and be with her while she was here. And something prompted her, and she became open to that. And so um, I get this call, and again, we are very separated during this season. I get this call from Beth, and she says, Hey, I'm going to this place in Minnesota. Um, you can't ride with me. You can't stay with me. I probably won't meet with you or talk to you while you're there but you can be there while I'm there. Do you want to come? And I said, yes, I will be there. And really had no, underst no understanding of what was, I was going to experience. I just knew that if Beth was going to be here and she was willing for me to be in proximity to her, that I wanted to be here. And so we arrived separately and um, met in Mark Mark's office. And I remember sitting there and just being so overwhelmed by my life, by the chaos, by the destruction that I had created. And Mark and Deb walked in together, and there was this message of hope that they represented. Um, and as you said, Mark just had this relaxed demeanor. He had heard my story and stories like it thousands of times. He wasn't rattled. He wasn't shocked. And he could just be honest and authentic and there was this message of hope that Mark and Deb were together. And they weren't just surviving. They just weren't limping along. And, and I think at one point, Beth and I thought, even if we get back together, that's our best hope. Mm -hmm. 
that will endure this, but will be defined by this the rest of our lives. And yet Mark and Deb just represented that you can not only survive this, but your marriage can thrive. And it was in Mark's office for the first time I heard Beth say that she thought there might be hope Mm -hmm. for us. And I, I always think of that and remember that every time I go by his office, that for me it's just a sacred, holy space. And Mark was so much a part of that by creating that calm presence. The, the other thing I just want to acknowledge is through this season, as we've been thinking about Mark and acknowledging faithful and true, we are very mindful of the significant role that Deb has played in all of our lives because of her love, her support, her encouragement, and her willingness to do her own work. So we, we're talking about Mark this morning, and we're remembering Mark, but um, Debbie was such a significant part of his life and his ministry that it's just important that we acknowledge that there was a partnership there. And so not only you know have we lost Mark, but Debbie has lost a partner in ministry and work, and it does impact um, just the, the experience um, here at Faithful and True, and, and we are just aware of that. Um, Debbie is here. She is um, moving through this process. We often get questions about how she is doing. And the, my answer is she is authentic. And whatever is true for her, she's able to be with that. And um, she's moving through grief well and intentionally. And we are very aware of Mark's absence, and we are very grateful for Deb's presence. So I also want to just hear and and reflect on, so we met Mark in these various ways. We were exposed to him through books, through conversations. In in those early days, and and Jim, for you, it would be the development of of your practice and your understanding of sexual addiction um, for Josh and Chris and I, it's about this crash and burn and this chaos and Mark stepping into that space. When you reflect on that, what what do you carry with you? What are you aware of that was significant and meaningful for you in the early days? Yeah, so for me in the early days, it was was about Mark's approach to this issue and and the idea that there were... um, deeper meanings associated with my the issues that I struggled with and so um I had I had I knew some things about about sexual addiction and so forth but it was it was always more on a behavioral level and not so much really kind of around you know Mark's approach which was it's even it's even sort of woven into the title of the book healing the wounds of sexual addiction and so what Mark uh really did with me was he took me on a path that was uh, that uh, on a journey into 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 those wounds and what is that what did that look like uh, helped me build a lot of insight and under and understanding around my story and and how that and and he was always intentional about saying chris we're not we're not we're not searching so we can blame we're searching so we can understand we're searching so you can have these insights so that you can capitalize on those and then move forward in a healthy way and for me that was that was comforting and compelling and uh, in, in meaningful. And, and as I got into it in my own journey, I could see the significance of that. And I thought, man, he's got it. This is right on. And for, and, and it was, I just, I just took that and was able to just run with it. And so that, that encouraged that, 
that that sort of that philosophy around uh, the approach to sexual addiction and then experiencing my experiencing it myself um, under the uh, the influence of Mark was what was re what really kind of captivated me in this process. Absolutely. Yeah, this is Josh. And for me, you know, there were a lot of, we'll talk later about some of the ways in which he influenced our practice and thinking and approach. Uh, but in the earliest moments for me, it was, here was a man who was willing to walk into that space where there's so much chaos. And he's there and he, with Deb, does it week after week, day after day after day. I will walk into that space where there are so many people who are afraid to go there. And I'll not just walk in there, but I'll walk in there in order to be on your side. Whomever walks in the door, I will be on your side and we'll figure it out and we'll talk through it. He's firm. He was kind. But he walked into that space that I didn't know anybody was willing to go into that place. And he does that for couple, did that for couples and couples and couples for individuals day after day. So for me, it was that willingness to be a presence, a particular kind of presence in that space that set a new trajectory for my own way of thinking about counseling. Well, it's that, that calm presence mm -hmm. when everything else is mm -hmm. chaotic, when everything else is disruptive, to have that calm presence was huge. I, I used the image, I was on a flight one time from uh, Portland to Vancouver, Canada, and it was one of the roughest flights I'd ever been on. And this was prior to 9-11, so between us and the pilots, there was just a curtain that was flopping back and forth. And I was starting to panic. I'm a seasoned flyer, but this was some of the worst turbulence I'd been in. And when I saw the pilots up front, they were just casually talking. They were talking about lunch or talking about what they were doing the next day. And in no way were they rattled. And suddenly I had confidence in the flight because I thought the pilots aren't concerned. The pilots aren't panicking. So therefore I don't need to panic. And I know that for me, Mark was able to be that calm presence when life was so turbulent, when it was so chaotic, when it felt like I was going to crash or life was going to crash on top of me. And Mark would just be this calm presence kind of flying us through the turbulence and I could trust um, his understanding his peace even his vision for what is possible um, if we just continue this journey and a part of that for me was you know, he was always willing to make a joke mm -hmm. like a lot of sarcasm little witty sarcasm that he loved to pull out and he would sit there he had diabetes and would pull out his little diabetes snacks and sit there and just chew <laughs> yeah. on them and, and then throw out a little wisecrack, which had, I can be that. He could be that in that space, which allowed me to feel like life was still life mm -hmm. uh, because he was able to crack a joke mm -hmm. or he was able to just kind of put a little snack in his mouth and chew on it and go on mm -hmm. and listen. And it was right at the right moment. Yeah. Yeah. He, he always knew right when exactly. to throw in. Some humor, some whatever needed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I re reiterate what you guys said. It, it was his, his presence, you know, is just how he, you know, it wasn't so much about what he did, but it was who he was in the moment. You know, sitting in a group, and I used to do group with him, an in-person group, it was just amazing to me how he knew the right time to offer grace and then at other times to offer truth. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and he just he just knew the exact moments to do that. Such a wise guy, such a you know a wise man. Mm-hmm. It was just really fun to interact and learn from him to you know to to watch him you know be who he was, and it really was about who he was. And that's I think that's the approach he took, and just in regards to you know helping us professionally as well. He realized it wasn't so much about what we knew, but it was who we were. Mm-hmm. You know how you know. We only can help people as far as we've gone ourselves, and so I think he understood that, and I, I think that's why he, you know, focused so much on that for for all of us. Well, one one of the foundational principles that faithful and true is that we lead out of our own stories and our own experiences. We all have professional development, we have educational support, and yet there's this understanding, as you said, Jim, we cannot take people further than we've been. We cannot lead them someplace we haven't gone. And so it's our own personal work. And I think that Mark set the stage for that. I often tell people when I'm talking about that first book, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Addiction, that what was so revolutionary back then was, yes, he used the principles of recovery um, around sexual addiction and, and used those understandings that were going to be helpful. And he also included his own story. And I can't tell you the number of men who have read that book that have told me actually it was his story that drew them to the book more than anything else, because in reading that, they were reminded that they weren't alone. And I think that that is incredibly powerful. Um, For me, I think the thing that was significant was his constant reminder not to be consumed by shame. Um, For Beth and I, we lived in Chicago, and so our primary resources in our journey and our recovery were there. And yet um, we would travel here occasionally in the early years to meet with Mark and Deb. And um, Mark was so good to invite me outside of my shame. Um, uh, I think he understood it. Uh, My life exploded in a public way. There were a lot of people who knew I was terrified that I would run into people that had heard what had happened. And I felt so out of control of my story. And that was something that Mark understood also. And so he was able in a very truthful, challenging, gracious way to really push me not to let my life be defined by my shame and yet to live in the truth, the truth of who I was, the truth of who God was, and in that truth find freedom and hope. And um, his phrase that he would use is, oh, you're just having a shame attack. And through the early years, especially um, when um, he invited Beth and I to become a part of the Faithful and True team, there would be moments that that shame would get triggered and he would just encourage me not to stay in that place, but to remind me of what is true and invite me to live in the freedom that is possible. Yeah. I remember uh, Marlo and I went out to dinner at, at one point with uh, Mark and Deb and, and we were waiting for our table. So Mark and I decided to, you know, find a TV because I think Virginia Tech was playing that day, obviously, <laughs> you know, the football game. And we're sitting there and a couple right next to us just decided to, you know, to have a conversation, and Mark just easily moved into, you know, what we do, and, you know, that, you know, he's a recovering sex addict, and I'm just looking at him, like, so easily move into this conversation with people you've, you know, you've never met before, and the conversation, you know, moves right into how they're struggling. It was just amazing how, you know, he was able to move right through that shame and just be able to offer himself up transparently to this couple and offer them hope. One other thing along that Um, Mark taught and firmly believed that if you had the courage to tell your story, others would step forward and tell their story. 
And that was one of the, the principles, that's one of the principles in the um, Men of Valor workshop is that those of us who teach, we tell our story and in that we invite other men to tell their story. Greg, this, uh, this is Randy uh, back again. <laughs> I'm totally enjoying hearing uh, th this valuable conversation from all four of you. Uh, the thing that has always struck me, uh, seeing the men that come in the doors on the Thursday morning to start the Faithful and True, the uh, Men of Valor workshop, talking about guilt and shame, you can visibly, those of us here that are used to dealing with it, um, you can see the guilt and shame being carried on the shoulders of the men as they come in the door on Thursday mornings. And the thing that was always amazing about Mark is he would do the opening of the workshop for the addressing the men and tell his story. And you could just almost hear the pressure in the room go out as he told his story because these men thought, if this man can share openly share his story of crash and, and burn and and uh, uh, fighting his way through his healing journey, uh, then I can too. So he was a great distributor of hope. He he did a marvelous job of of um, having men come in broken and uh, and leave in a much better place. Not necessarily it's not the end of their journey. Their journey is just beginning. But you and Mark have always done such a marvelous job in giving these men a vision, uh, giving these men a real sense of, of hope. And uh, one thing that always impressed me about Mark is that he does a great did a great job of um, communicating that there is no sin for which God is unwilling to forgive you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, Mark embodied hope, and so he was able to give to others what he had experienced. And that's one of the, the big principles is if you've experienced grace, then you can express grace. If you've experienced hope, then you can offer hope. And Mark was able to do that in, in his teaching and in his conversations and just being with the, the men and the, the couples that would come into his office and into his life. He just let, let them know by his presence that there was hope no matter what you've done. Right. Well, gentlemen, we want to thank you for uh, your participation in this first podcast. Uh, we're excited as we move ahead with the Men of Valor program. We are uh, grateful to all of you. Uh, you are all big contributors uh, to the work that is done here at Faithful and True. And uh, Greg, I especially thank you uh, for your willingness uh, to bring your talents uh, and your heart uh, to, to the podcast. Uh, so as we wrap things up today, do you have a final thought that you would like to wrap around the, the frosting on this cake? You know, I, I think as I've been sitting here, it, it is so good to remember. And um, yes, to remember can be painful. Remember can stir our grief. But there is a, a beauty and a graciousness in remembering. And it was good just to sit here and be with these men as we are able to reflect on our experiences with Mark, knowing that how he has shaped us and formed us and the words that he spoke to us, how we will be able to carry that with us going forward. We hope that today's podcast has been of benefit to you. We look forward to taking the show uh, into the future now. We hope that this week is going to be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and great vision. <music>